Good evening, and Happy New Year. As uh, Cole so kindly introduced me, my name is Christian Dennett. Hopefully you, hopefully you know me by now. Been a member for about five and a half years and serving as an elder for, can you believe it, almost two years. And it's been a wonderful privilege. So um, one thing I'm, I'm thoroughly grateful for here at UBC is our commitment to the truth of Scripture and expositional preaching. Not only that, but... Uh, how seriously we take the examination of Scripture as well and the preaching of it. And having a mic up here to ask questions about the sermon, it's just a transparency that is, is refreshing. So um, I ask the same of myself, if there's any questions or uh, even corrections after, after this evening, I'm happy to, to chat. So uh, before we come to the Word, uh, let's just pray one more time. We thank you, Lord, uh, for your word. Uh, it is unshakable, the unshakable truth. We thank you for your hope in Christ and that Jew and Gentile, we are one in him. In Jesus' name, amen. So uh, we come to our devotional portion of the service this evening. Uh, I'd like to give a quick reminder of what a devotional message is all about. I think it's not necessarily an expansion on the context and the observations and meaning of a passage, although some of it is, uh, but it's more a careful reflection on the spiritual implications and practical applications of Scripture. A Sunday evening devotional should prompt us to stop and take some time to ask the following kinds of questions of the text. How should I live in light of what I've just learned what difference does this make in my life? How does this affect my relationship with God and with others? If I believed and held to this, how would this change things in my life? So I ask you, please think through those questions as we go through Ephesians this evening. So um, please join me and turn um, to, in your scripture to Ephesians chapter 2. We're going to look at just verse 12 this evening. Um, and so as you, as you look there and as you, as you ask some of those questions, think about how we as a body can apply some of the truths that are extracted from the inspired words within. So hopefully you're there, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 12. We're going to read it a couple of times. It says... Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. Let's read it again. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. So there are three truths that I want us to meditate on from this passage this evening and throughout the week. Uh, for you note-takers, I'll give them up front. Point one, we were once separated from Christ. We were once separated from Christ. Point two, God's plan for our inclusion should produce humility and thankfulness. God's plan for our inclusion should produce humility and thankfulness. And then finally, point three, hope 
transforms us. Hope transforms us. So point one, we were once separated from Christ. This verse talks primarily to the Gentile section of the Ephesian church. In the early church, there were healthy debates, we could say, about the inclusion of Gentiles into the plan of salvation. If they were now included, were they equal in the inheritance? And Paul seeks to clarify this discussion and go further into what this means in the life of the church. What should the Gentiles feel about their inclusion, how they should apply that? So starting at the beginning, Paul makes the point that as a race, Gentiles, in contrast to descendants of Abraham, had no expectation of the Messiah to light up their darkness. The heathen masses had no covenant with the Almighty God. They knew nothing about him. They had no rights of citizenship in his kingdom. They were cut off from the privilege of a relationship with God by means of their birth. They, and then we, as part of them, are all born into sin and therefore under the wrath of God. Now, I know... I know what it's like to be an alien in a foreign land. I know what it's like to be cut off from the privilege of citizenship. America. <laughs> but, thankfully, just so you know, I am a citizen now. It's, it's okay. I can vote. It's a great privilege. Um, <laughs> You can correct me afterwards if you want. Um, but before I was a citizen, it could be inconvenient at times. And sometimes I felt like an outsider. But this is nothing in comparison to being separated from Christ and a stranger to the covenants of promise. This kind of alienation is a place of no hope, of utter despair and judgment. However, this terrible and stark condition is a just one for those stained by original sin. It is worth spending some time meditating on this condition and how hopeless we are as a people before God reaches down and offers us a new covenant through his son. It should leave us desperate for an answer, for a rescue, for some hope in the darkness. Which, of course, there is, by God's grace. And this brings me to my second point. God's plan for our inclusion should produce humility and thankfulness. We know from the span of Scripture and from following the following verse in Ephesians 2 that now in Christ Jesus, we who were once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Jew and Gentile, we are now all one in Christ, redeemed and brought near by the grace and mercy of a loving Father. If we repent of our sin and believe in the atoning work of Jesus Christ on the cross, 
if we stand on the resurrection and become a citizen of heaven through the free gift of salvation, then we will become joined as one who is elect to the holy church of God. All in Christ are one people, one nation, and co-heirs with him to the promises of God. Did you know that in God's wisdom, this was his plan all along? And both testaments bear witness to this. Hosea 2.23 says, And I will have mercy on no mercy. I will say to not my people, You are my people. And he shall say, You are my God. In the same vein, Isaiah 60, 1 to 3 says, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness the peoples. But the Lord will arise upon you, and his glory will be seen upon you. And nations shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. And throughout the Old Testament, there have been prototypes of this Gentile inclusion. Think of the legacy of those who were given access to salvation by faith. We have Jethro, the Midianite, who rejoiced in the Lord and blessed his name, the father of, father-in-law of Moses. And then, of course, there's Ruth, who we heard about this morning, a Moabite, who was never supposed to have been included, but a faithful Gentile who is redeemed by her kinsman redeemer into the genealogy of Christ. Rahab, the prostitute from Jericho, who declared that the Lord our God, he is God in the heavens above and on earth beneath. Even Nebuchadnezzar, the Babylonian, who confessed praise and honor to the king of heaven, For all his works are right and his ways are just. In the Gospels, we see Jesus recognize the faith of the Canaanite woman in Matthew 15. And we hear the confession of the Roman centurion in Mark 15 who declared that truly this man was the son of God. These saints were forerunners of the countless Gentiles who since the establishment of the new covenant in Christ have been grafted into the body of Christ. Romans 10.20 gives a good summation by saying, I have been found by those who did not seek me. I have shown myself to those who did not ask for me. Doesn't this speak so clearly to the grace of God in this plan? We did not seek Or ask for him, but he included us anyway. But we should ask, how does our inclusion as Gentiles and nearness to Christ through the plan of salvation affect the posture of our heart? Do we gain from this a sense of entitlement, a sense of exclusivity, a sense of superiority, Not at all. Later on in Romans, Paul explains what our reaction to this inclusion should be. It says we should not become proud, 
but fear God all the more. We should recognize what kindness it was to include us as the engrafted, his engrafted people. The knowledge of our inclusion should promote humility and kindness. Humility because we were all at one time separated by our sin and completely helpless and in the same pit of despair. Thankfulness because it was by God's sovereign act that we were given a lifeline of hope that none of us deserved. So, look within yourself. I'm going to ask some questions that help us think through this, to meditate and apply something, some things from these truths. Are you daily thankful for what the Lord has done? Or do you complain and grumble? Do you operate in humility? Or have you forgotten the mercy you have received? Does spiritual entitlement foster pride in your position? Does your pride cause you to overemphasize differences between you and others? Look around you. Lots of people here who are part of this body of Christ. Has your pride caused you to treat your brothers and sisters in Christ with contempt or as inferior? Have you been exclusive and purposely left any of them out? Are you one to pull people apart or tear them down? Are there times when you have forgotten that we are all one in Christ? My exhortation to you is, let this not be. As the rest of Ephesians chapter 2 encourages us, we should act as members of the same household. We should be joined together in the peace one for us. We should grow together into a holy temple. By the Spirit, we can build one another up as we are being built together into a dwelling place for God. As the exhortation continues in chapter 4 of Ephesians, we sh- it says we should walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which we have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. We can do this because our inclusion has taken us out of a place with no hope and no God. Our nearness to Christ has instead given us a guarantee of hope. And this is my third point. Hope transforms us. We no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. We have gone from hopelessness to hopefulness. Our hope is in God. It is in the victory that Christ has won. Hope in a redeemed future transforms us into a people who are humbled by God's goodness to us, who are forgiving because we have been forgiven, who are thankful because our future is secure. We are a people who have been saved for the purpose of bringing glory to the name of Christ. 
So, continually remember that you were at one time separated from Christ, alienated from the covenants of promise, having no hope, and without God in the world. And let the knowledge of your inclusion humble you, bring you to thankfulness, and be seeking to build one another up as we press on to the goal, which is the hope that we have in Christ. Pray with me.